Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Bro, what's your favorite samurai movie? Ooh, I thought Kill Bill was pretty good, man. Crazy 88. Where's my pepperoni pizza? Charlie Bronson! Dude, that's not a samurai movie. That's Tarantino. Well, my favorite was uh, The Last Samurai, Crunchy Tom Cruise. Most people don't get that he wasn't The Last Samurai, but he was with The Last Samurai. Ah, sweet baby Jesus. I mean, a real samurai movie. Well, I mean, there's there's Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Well, what was that? I'm, I'm going to pretend for our friendship's sake that I didn't hear that. Now I hear you, baby. 47 rolling with Keanu Reeves. When Neo gets down on that Nippon, that dragon lady was hot, hot, hot. No, gentlemen, no. All these movies descend from a common origin. It's time to get back to the basics. Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune black and white celluloid. A film that has spawned countless imitations, some illegally so. Tonight, we paint the town red with 1961's Yojimbo, part of an epic 16-film collaboration that cemented the duo's legendary status. So, finish up your delousing, tweeze that unibrow, and grab your swords. Rumor has it that this town is hiring some bodyguards. Boom! <laughs> Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Feels Podcast, uh, where we bring you a different movie of a different genre, fortnightly. And today is host Jack's pick for black and white film, 1961's Yojimbo. So uh, joining me is... Uh, well, I would be one incompetent town uh, local authority who is also a world-class kiss-ass. Mm. I would be the... That's uh, true. <laughs> I'd be the uh, shaky yet stubborn restaurant owner with Badass windows. Let's just let's just throw that. I think out we there. all wanted those windows. I want those windows so I bad. Want those windows. Yes, those are yeah. all, those are awesome. This is a discarded discarded sake bottle under the bramble bush. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, had, had you guys seen this one before? This was a first. This was not a first. This was a repeat, but it had been quite some time, and I am so thankful you brought this back. Well, I was actually going to tongue-in-cheek pick it for uh, my Spaghetti Western, uh, because as we know, this came out in 1961, and in 1964, we had A Fistful of daughter Dollars, which was such an obvious ripoff. The Fistful of Dollars uh, Daughters uh, remake uh, is a great well, that, porn, that's by the, the way. That's the, that's the <laughs> that's triple the X real, parody. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the uh, for Real Feels After Dark. Whoa. <laughs> real Feels After Dark. dark. But yeah, so the uh, fistful of dollars, uh, Akira Kurosawa took Sergio Leone to court and won 15% of the gross from uh, fistful of dollars. 15% plus $100,000. Yeah, just to sweeten the pot. Just, just, just to sweeten the pot, which was actually half of the budget for a fistful of dollars, mind you. But I love the, the – it had gone full circle at that point where this is a – Samurai movie shot as if it's a Western that gets made into a spaghetti Western. You know, you can't get much better than that. I'm going to make a point that Jack may be very upset with me about. Drew, you're going to laugh and be like, oh my gosh, yes. But there was parts of this movie, and Jack, I, I like this it's, movie. It's fine. It's fine. It's not perfect. But there was many parts that I thought that I was watching West Side Story in Japanese. And they're like fighting. They're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I shit you not. In my rewatch of it today, when they were coming at each other down the street. That yes! I, yes! It, I literally started doing this to myself because I'm all like, it's fucking West Side Story. Let's kill them all. Let's kill them all. Masaki Master. Masaki Orha Silken Brothel. 
Oh, no, thank you. Thank you, Nathan. That yeah, actually... That, that adds a nice little flavor to it, because... Just, uh, that's, that's no, I can I, see it. I can yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, back, back to the... And what's weird is it was being made at the same time, 1961. Both of them... Maybe you should have taken them both to court. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Nah, I'm just joking. Nah. No, I mean, Kurosawa literally, he wrote Sergei Leone... A letter, and he said, "I, I have, I ha- uh, happened to see your film. It's a very beautiful film. Because uh, it's however, my film. However, <laughs> it is. My, he said, however, it is my film, Dick. and uh, you will be paying me. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, no, this is this is all true. But in some respects, Fistful of Dollars is still an amazing film, and it does. I don't think anyone's disputing. It that. does go a little bit beyond, and and sort of streamlines the story a little bit because there are some clunky aspects about some of the plot with yes. this one, and." You know, like any foreign film, especially with such a large ensemble, it's kind of hard to keep everybody straight as far as their names and and which side they are on because, you know, it is a little bit more difficult. It's it's not Steve. It's it's Unosuke. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's also like a, a shame that when Fistful of Dollars came out, it, it did create this iconic character of the stranger with no name and like to its credit but also to the fault of you know Serge Leone copying the film that became more popular than Sanjiro's character but it's like a like a comedian yeah. that got his joke stolen and the the guy who, st- the guy who steals it goes on like Letterman or something right I mean it's uh, between if I were to if I were to be given a choice between Fistful of Dollars and Yojimbo, I would pick Yojimbo. I find it to be a more enjoyable film. Not that Fistful of Dollars again is bad in any way, but I think I also laughed more uh, with Yojimbo. Well, some of the the character the guy with the um, the unibrow. Oh, the the the, the brother. Yeah, he's a character <laughs> actor. And I, I love <laughs> and I, love, I his love his dumb. Dumb face. When he helps the, uh, the Izakaya, the restaurant owner, take the casket. Uh, or to the yeah. graveyard and oh, that's just true. how he's like oh you know I'm not scared of ghosts but you can see him like like on guard you like really well there could ghosts? be ghosts <laughs> oh this is stupid anyway I'm leaving <laughs> where are the ghosts oh no no they they only come out and scare scaredy cats like me not big brave men like you oh, I, that's right I should go <laughs> see my brother because he's gonna beat me up ah! I, I just love ah! I love his face that he puts on when he is trying to like walk up to Sandro and he's like <laughs> so you are he strong that, I he, like he you does, <laughs> he does that buck tooth thing like hey coffin maker how many coffins did you make when I left town last night oh I, I, I made two. Oh. Oh, but I, I made three more for the other team. And he's like counting. He's like, okay, that's still good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and he's got this reputation as this like fearless warrior, but he's just this little dumb pug of a man. He, that, he said like, yeah, if he gets angry, yeah. he is a, he is a Which warthog. Which doesn't seem like it's a stretch name. for his character. <laughs> well, speaking of warthog, that's <laughs> what... Uh, like, like towards the... Well, no, there were, you know, Kurosawa wanted um, Toshiro Mifune to act like a wolf. So that's why he's doing like the shifting shoulders as if he's got lice or mm-hmm. he's got fleas, fleas or something. Yep. Uh, how he sort of stalks around. Uh, he wanted Unosuke, the uh, the antagonist or the, you know, the gun hand to, to play it as like a snake or a viper, which he does perfectly by holding the walk. gun up through his kimono, almost like... Like a snake's head. Yeah. It's that's perfect. Really cool. And, and he has he has that swagger. Each of them have their distinct little characteristics yeah. and body movements, which is so good. It's so perfect. And I don't think Unosuke is, is is a worse person than Toshiro Mufuni. Like neither one of them is bad guy or good guy. They're just happen to be on opposing sides during this, and they're they're both really out for their own personal gain. Oh, very much so. I mean, Sanjiro is all like, I get paid for killing, and there's a lot of people who deserve to die in this town. <laughs> <laughs> did, th- did that sound familiar? Almost like uh, oh, it re- hmm. re- reminds me of. Uh, um, Kill Bill 2, where he's like, that that woman, she deserves uh, her revenge, and we, we deserve to die. Like, you could see a lot of the influences, like the music that, that Tarantino picked up later on uh, for other projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's is it the best samurai movie ever? No. But it's, pretty it's good, still pretty though. good, and it was one of the first that had some pretty realistic gore in it. 
the first gore that you see is the dog carrying the hand yeah. that has been severed by someone. I just love Sandro's face. She's, she's like, what the hell is that? What, what <laughs> town is this? The dog has a hand. <laughs> that stupid stick. It led me here. You know what? That so, actually, is that I like think... the dog that came out of the most Eisley Cantina? Oh, God. <laughs> Great tie-in. <laughs> uh, no, but, like, I think that's actually a really... That put, the like, the movie in a really good position of just... It's all chance it, of him throwing the stick up and going to which direction that it points. I wish well, more it's, D&D it's groups did that. Like, uh, <laughs> throw the stick up. Which way did it point? Left? All right, that's the way we're going. Meanwhile, the DM is like, okay, you want to go to the place I didn't plan for? You fine. <laughs> oh, but the road is closed. That's exactly what Sandro's character is basically kind of like basing everything on throughout the entire film. It's all about fate, which is why he has this like nonchalant attitude about everything. Where he's They're like, am I here? All perfect. perfect. <laughs> It's like, what, am I here? Yeah, because fate brought me here. Am I going to die? Maybe, but that's what fate has in store for me. I, everything for him is all like, you know what? I'm just going to see how the cards are going to be laid out, and we're going to take it from there. Hey, the confidence to walk into a town you've never been to with a, not a dollar or a penny in your pocket uh, and just your clothes and your sword and right. have the utter confidence to not only try to come out on top but you're playing the two sides off of each other um and masterfully so yeah and i mean even when he's like sizing up all the gamblers as he was walking towards there and i mean he you know starts eyeballing everybody and he suddenly comes to like face to face with japan's andre the giant who's wielding <laughs> a harley quinn size mallet <laughs> yeah. he is a monster of a man. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love it. I think he had the same condition that uh, Jaws from uh, double or, uh, James Bond had. Oh, because the, the face, that's sort of that the, glandular. Yeah, like the facial structure is very much the same. Yeah. And the deep voice, yeah. Well, and when he does go the first time, or no, actually he goes back to start shit, when they all come out, like they're, they're just the bottom of the barrel as far as like a a mercenary or a ruffian could go like some of their hair is like half shaved and they're hiding tattoos from all the crimes they've done i thought one guy was just going to come flat out and say i've got the death mock in 12 <laughs> systems he doesn't, he doesn't like, like you, you. I don't like you either. either. No swords. No swords. (laughs) I couldn't tell if the guy's face, either it was a tattoo of a die or if it was painted on. Well, either way, but I mean, like, either one. We're bodyguards for the gambling house. The the tattoos were not exactly um, cutting edge. (laughs) But that was such a funny moment. Yes. The, The one on the arm, he's like, you see this? I went to prison. You're like, you have a band on your arm. What is that supposed to represent? So later on when the one guy, when he, he cuts his shirt off his back and he has like the really bad Yakuza tattoo on his back that looks like a, like a sedated tiger or something. It's Rawr. too many mine. Too many mine. <laughs> got, some, got that from some opiumed up fucking tattoo artist. Oh my god. I I wanted so much in this film for the sheriff, who technically doesn't do anything, but that's also what I find so hil- hilarious, but also at the fault. constable, and he just, like, oh my gosh. holds up a sigh, like, no it's one's like taking a- you serious, buddy. Yeah. I know, he just walks in, he just, he's like, <laughs> okay, my, my I fees, what are you? <laughs> Jeez. It's like, you're going to go over there, but they're going out of business. You want to go to the gambling hall. <laughs> Remember, you pay me. But much like in Fistful of Dollars, in Yojimbo, it's all about it's all about Ganji. It's all about the restaurant owner slash barkeep who just like he's Invisible the moral Dollars, compass of the of the movie. He's probably my favorite character. I love Sanjuro, but I love the barkeep. I really love the barkeep. No, I am in complete agreement. You know, and one of the reasons why Kira Kurosawa wanted more realistic gore in the movie was he 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 wanted to sort of highlight that this is what happens when you hit somebody with a sword, and almost and regretted it later in life because everybody took that and started to run with it to sort of more glorify and get the ooh and ah factor of it than, you know, like, well, yeah, he severed an artery, he's, he's squirty blood. Hence, hence like Tarantino and also what you would see now in a lot of more uh, modern, like, anime, especially, like, violent anime, where it also took place in a little bit of, like, the late 80s and early 90s when they would, like, cut someone's head off or an arm, it would just be, it would stop and then suddenly... 
like a water water fountain, a sprinkler. Oh my god! Just sh- yeah, just like spritzing out. So one big, big, big takeaway that that I had with this whole thing, this whole film. I mean, down to just weird details. And I don't know if you guys ever played it or not, but Way of the Samurai Two. Okay, no, no. it was for PlayStation Two, and it was where you you were a samurai and you come into town and there's two different sides that are at war with each other and you basically can decide to either like side with one or side with the other or not really get involved or help the blacksmith and like his family get out of the city there's so many weird parts to it that i was like am i watching a playthrough of the damn game right now this is so <laughs> this has to be what inspired this game because i, I agree it, it feels like like the, the starting uh board for for that type of a, a a game like well you gotta go here first you've got your level one uh gi and your your plus one sword and yeah go see what you but can do the game is, right. is really a ton of fun for those multiple playthroughs to say hey what if I go with, you know, these guys with, like, the red outfits and see, because they're kind of weird. Or or if I go with the police, because, like, in that, it's more like the magistrate versus, like, the wealthy, like, landowner. But this, with the, the sake brewer and the silk, two goods that just, like, you know, they they don't compete with each other. So, like, why did they not just make peace but it's it's that but there was still peace like was never yeah, an option it, Nathan. You know, they, yeah there had to be this uh it, just that territory war that I, I i think they should have explained or should have brought into the movie earlier in the plot the the woman that has been taken from her husband that seemed like it was just a little bit too thrown in off the cuff mm-hmm. uh for me but it's and that, that's it's what still they did better was, with, oh, they, they did do that better in fistful, in, of, yeah, dollars. fistful of dollars yeah. uh, they did kind of iron that out a little bit but I think one of my favorite scenes is when he's with the, uh, you know, the, the wild boar or the, what did you, what did you call him earlier, Drew? The, uh, uh, the unibrow guy. The unibrow guy. I mean, I just call him like, he's just, he's the, he's the doofus brother. I mean, that's what he is. But when he goes to check on the the woman and she's being guarded by six (laughs) men, he doesn't say that's enough. And he's like, oh, well, well, who's in that? Isn't that guy over in that house? Oh, you're right. I've got to go beat him up now. (laughs) I forgot to go beat him up. (laughs) Thank you but for reminding he, me. Just, when he's like, yeah, oh, no, just speak up. he's like, hey, getting near your wife, huh? All six of the guys are dead. Go get the others. And then he oh goes in, slaughters those six guys in like under 30 seconds. And then I love how he goes through the warehouse afterwards and makes it look as if a much larger fight had happened. I thought that was yeah. awesome. And then they come back and he's all like, yeah, it must have been about 15 guys. Yeah, yeah I, I told you six huh? were not enough. Yeah, no. <laughs> We've got six roughnecks, but, huh? but they're all kind of wise to it at that point of like, well, wait a minute, did you actually see them dead before? And you know, like they, and he's kind of like, oh, well, that, but he's so stupid. That's a little bit that later, he's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a little bit later when um, Unosuke uh, came with the brother to the bar, and that was after the barkeep. That made me so angry. I think it's the one moment that I got real angry in the movie when he sets down the thank you note, and he immediately doesn't, like, grab it. He doesn't take it away. Like, if they're coming in, Get the yeah. evidence away. Well, that's that's that, that's the plot device. You know, it you is. can't I you can't it, yeah. hover over and press X <laughs> yet until uh, Unosuke discovers I it. I want to press X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pause. Save. That's definitely. <laughs> where you, where you did you guys ever thing. play the? Uh, did you guys ever play the Karate Kid game that was on the NES? No. Yes. Maybe it was. It was a side scroller, and then between levels, it would have little mini little mini missions, and and a couple of them would be your. Daniel Sun's hand with the chopsticks trying to catch Ooh. the flies. And I feel like that same thing happened with uh, when he's in the shrine and he's just throwing the knife at the leave, throwing the knife at the leave. He's like, oh, yeah. I got to practice the skill for the boss fight coming up. But here. A, a, <laughs> like, a very nice touch. I like that he's just keeping sharp, you know? Yeah. Oh, right. Because, I mean, before that, the barkeep is still drastically urging him to leave. And he's all like, no, you idiot. I still have a group of men to kill. Well, what are you going to do? Make them into sashimi because he's got the cook's knife? I'm going to make sashimi out of them. (laughs) And for the stunt work, 
that they do. I love that, like, you know, obviously these swords are not, uh, they're not doing a lot of clang, clang, you know, they're not doing a lot of sword, sword play. It's just straight, like, he's just faster than all of them. And just, just um, cutting up that meat. I watched a long time ago, uh, like a thing about how samurai fighting in, like, movies typically is so, like, overdone when a samurai would never, like, engage. They would dodge and then just, like, poke, dead, poke. like they- yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's also very, very quick. Actually, the sound that uh, the sound engineer came up with for Kurosawa was two chopsticks shoved into a raw chicken, and then it was hacked at with a sword. That was the sound that of the sword hitting the other uh, individual. That's how you make sound. Wow. Yeah. I I wanted one fight to last longer than the three seconds that it took. But I, wanted, I think that, that, I that was the point the giant. That, that he was trying know, to make. I, I wanted a standoff between him and the giant. Not even not even the gunman. I wanted him and the giant to go at it. Well, you want to go go at him like Legolas? <laughs> some, no, or something. <laughs> Running up his take arm. Take him down. Take him down. <laughs> <laughs> it still only counts as one. <laughs> no, but I wanted something like maybe, you know, the whole like, all right, bring your one man. Or one man. All right. Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just something like you know maybe he's too slow and you know he comes in and he slices something but I mean it was just that quick like slicing and he's well, <laughs> he falls I, over. I think it's worth mentioning Sabi's venomous snake of a wife. Oh my god, I'm so happy the change. Or sorry, the, in Fistful of Dollars, it's obviously the brother. But I love that it's the wife in Yojimbo. Oh, I find it just so much more appealing. This nasty woman. It's very nasty. Unreliable. <laughs> don't trust her. <laughs> These wenches, they don't know any respect. Uh, keep on hiring idiots <laughs> and wackos. I was kind of hoping for a more open range, like standoff, like where he's just like, you the one that killed, you know, that killed the boy? Like, yeah, I did. Shot the dog, too. Like, okay. Boom, boom, boom. You know, just because he's so fast like that. And it's just him. And so they, and they're so fearful. Like, when they start, when they're just, like, squaring off against, like, the other group. And they're like, whoa, whoa. When they're with him, though, they're like, all right, let's, like, let's do, if there's only one of him, and he's mowing them down. They're like, uh, yeah. retreat. Uh, mentioning, like, the open range, all I can see is the guy who said, like, yeah, I killed him, and the dog, too. All I see him in this movie is going, oh, the geishas, oh, the geishas. the geishas. Oh, the geishas. Oh, the Oh, the geishas. <laughs> oh, I, I thought during some of the uh, initial fight scenes, where the, the weren't actually fight scenes, like you said, Nathan, it was West Side Story, the two sides kind of, oh, oh, <laughs> that they had the dog run through the middle real quick with the hand. Right. And yeah. then there's like this poor guy with like a bloody stump who's like, I can't rest in the afterlife without that. <laughs> <laughs> Come back. That's my wife's favorite. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, the the final scene, the uh, knife to the gun hand. And then uh, is is he going to fall for Unosuke's like, oh, I I, I feel naked without my pistol. I've shot it twice. That's all it can do. (laughs) I was kind of hoping that that he was going to give a little bit more dialogue to him in regards about like you chose the way of the coward basically with the like giving more symbolism to the gun because the gun is obviously like the coward's way compared to the samurai way of you know facing your opponent and and just how cowardly he is like holding it like he's like afraid to show anyone Fire! What? No, no, Ute! no. Ute! 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 He's definitely not afraid to show it because he flashes that shit all over town. He even says, like, you know, when his father is, you know, making a deal last minute for him, and he's all like, "Don't pay him that." And the and like the idiot brother's like, "Stop it! He's strong." And he's like, "Stronger than this." <laughs> all right, fine. You buy him. I mean, he he has no problem whipping it out, shooting at bells in the town, shooting women. I mean, he had, sorry, he didn't shoot the woman. He shot the husband. No, they, they hacked the, the wife. The brother, death. the idiot brother sliced the mother in the back. But I mean, he has no problem showing it around. I would also, I mean, it's the suspension of disbelief, but if he's coming back from his travels, I want to see him 
being very proud of his gun and at least showing us how many bullets he has because he's just oh he's the that uh, Uzi right. guy in Battle Royale. <laughs> he, shot the, he shot the bell like five or six times. Exactly. So he exactly. had to know how many uh, rounds that thing could possibly hold. Not by like the oh well I've, I've shot two rounds. That's all right. I can do. And speaking of him shooting the bell, like I mean, we've already talked about those those fabulous windows. Oh, so okay. sick. I those windows are great. I want those windows, but more importantly, creating frames within frames in the filming and the cinematography of this film. It's almost like capturing the movie in little comic book panels. It just adds such a depth. Yeah, to the, the lighting, what was done. the lighting and the shading and the contrast is always on point. Uh, mm-hmm. in this movie with just the way it's shot. I think that the score gives it that little bit of a comedic tongue-in-cheek aspect yeah. to it. It's a little bit playful. Yeah, the the music along with initial reactions from characters that you don't think are going to be there. Like when the son is returned to the mom and she's like, you idiot, you should have died. I'd rather you died. You caused so much trouble. <laughs> or, or when the, um, the uh, was it the emperor's you know, representative or inspector came and stayed for the night and yeah, they're yeah. watching him from the, the restaurant and they're like, isn't that that idiot mayor of yours? And you can <laughs> see the mayor come on the screen and then the other three men just become visibly uncomfortable. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, his, uh, his two liaisons. Oh, they're just drinking tea. Spiked tea. <laughs> alcoholic tea and he has such a really nice uh what is it called it's a it's a palaquin yeah the uh, or, uh yeah i forget the i think it's a pal i think palaquin sounds right in my brain but yeah like that that carrying uh you know uh it's like a willis cherry essentially <laughs> do you think that the uh the restaurant guy like was kind of pissed at the samurai for like most of it like dude you're you're only making this worse or do you think that he really was was like oh you know what oh, maybe yeah. this guy actually will like because he's the the change, he's the wind kind of coming through town to to stir shit up. That yeah, maybe this will actually like mm-hmm. just end it, so that way I can get back to business and oh, inevitably. And, and the first money he gets that uh, twenty five thirty Ryu from the the wife after he goes back the second time, he immediately gives that to the uh, the guy and the wife and the child to get the hell out of town. Right. I mean, the Ganji, the barkeep, the restaurant owner. He at first he wants him gone. He doesn't want to see any more bloodshed. It's much like the barkeep in Fistful of Dollars who says, "The only women are you going to find in this town are widows." And he's like, "I'm I do not want any more death in this town. Like you should leave." No, I think I'll stay. I'm going to stop them all and kill them. No, not even if you had nine lives. It's not going to happen. And he keeps telling him, "Like I urge you, eat and leave. Get the hell out of here." And much. To his dismay, like, the person who goes probably back and forth the most from being happy to unhappy is the yeah. coffin maker. <laughs> He's all like, I just put in a huge order for a bunch of coffins, and those assholes are making a truce. Why are you so un- unhappy? Your business should be booming. When the fighting gets like this, they don't even use coffins anymore. <laughs> Can you make a little hand coffin? Like, well- <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, shall we move on to uh, segments? Segments! Not too bad. Maybe. Oh, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Segment number one. Only swords can solve this. When Sanjiro decides to start his scheme by siding with Sebi, the former preeminent boss of the town, Sebi plans a daytime raid on his former right-hand man. While rallying his unenthusiastic little band, Sebi holds his sake cup up for Sanjiro to refill. The unsteady shaking of Sebi's hand when Sanjiro pours sake, causing the porcelain to, to rattle loudly, was a masterful technique in revealing Sebi's fearful bluster. Have you ever been in a situation when someone has unintentionally shown you their hand? Maybe you realize you're being conned and some way or come to find out that everything is not as it seems oh, of course that's oh, oh no you want to go <laughs> right all you all you do. okay uh so i once caught a local gamer here in town who had decided to uh help himself to not only some really choice trades out of one of my binders but also some cards from my decks and it was like oh hey can i look at your can i look at your binders and some trades and see if i can you know if you have anything that I want, and you know, I was just like, that's fine. Just you know, like stay there. Like don't don't go don't walk off with them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it wasn't until like later in the evening that I saw him bartering for another trade, and he was offering up some cards 
And I'm like, I thought you didn't have these. Like, we're, that's pretty cool. Like, I, I mean, were you looking for a set? Because I, I thought you were looking for ones for yourself. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I, uh, I had a few, but I wanted to get rid of them because, you know, I, wa- I want to get a box. So I'm trying to get, you know, some cash for them and whatnot. The idiot had taken not just the card, but he had taken the sleeves with them. And they were my sleeves. Like, personal that sleeves. Son of you, a bitch. Like, you can't. You Don't touch get another man's sleeves. <laughs> You couldn't get him anywhere in town, so I know for a fact that they were mine, and I caught him red-handed with it, and, uh, yeah, so he was kind of an idiot, and definitely showed his hand. Literally. Uh, as it were. Literally. Because <laughs> you don't... <laughs> it all comes full you circle. Man, <laughs> you don't touch a man's dick. All right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's my cardboard crack. <laughs> my binder. So... Mine is kind of uh, it's it's touchy on for some, for some people I'm sure. Uh, so when I was heavily into church and, and into like like worship and uh, instruments, music, I went with our church to a like like a summit where we learned like you know uh, some cool stuff on like how to make our worship sound bigger and better, how to engage more with the people, all these kind of. Culty yeah, things. and it was at Angela's Temple <laughs> down in <laughs> down in uh, L.A., which is a huge church, and they they are really you know motivating, and it's loud. Sure, no, it's uh, they're, they're well, I just, I... it's a it's a compound. <laughs> so as I'm in one of the workshops, and the guy's talking about how like was it carpentry? <laughs> no, no, it's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go, go. He's talking about what about he's uh, talking about worship? Someone he's talking about how to like engage with the people, and then like then he starts going over like oh play this song to make them cry, this song to and like laying it out very behind the curtain Wizard of Oz style. This song to open up their wallets. And I'm like, just is nobody else hearing what I'm hearing? And I I've never been the same. I've never been the same when it comes to to worship. That has always stuck with me. And there's times when like I, I I'm at church and I can really enter in and just like, you know, be in the moment. But there's always, always something deep kind of inside me that is thinking about that experience and going are their hearts in it are they are they mm-hmm. really doing this out of pure intentions and and playing music for god or is this a, sh- a, a little, little bit, bit more this- righteous gemstones yeah. than anything else <laughs> is, it, is it more like a yeah is it more and like so a gig it, to them it really kind of just him very publicly displaying his hand but everyone else was pretty blind to it i'm like well, wait whoa 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 Did, what a lot of that going around in this country right now. <laughs> Check with the three pointer. Uh so mine's a little bit more lighthearted. There you go. Uh, Bring it down. But I still think I still chuckle to myself at odd times when I think about it. So I have an aunt, and for years it started that one Thanksgiving, I think I was thirteen or fourteen, we were up in Cleveland and we did the big dinner, Thanksgiving dinner at their place, and she had baked each person like their own little individual bread loaf like you had your own bread there were crocks of butter all around the table like that's your little bread bread loaf and then it just ballooned so that she was always like if my uncle came down on business he would bring a loaf of bread from his wife or when my sister was sick or if uh, it were like randomly around the holidays they would get a package and would have a couple of loaves of of fresh baked bread and it, this is not really your crusty more European style, like it's pretty much like a sandwich bread. Like you could make toast with it. You could make grilled cheese or sandwiches. It's not something that you're going to have like dip in a soup or gravy or anything like that, really. And it was unremarkable, but you know, she's, her heart's in the right place. And so, you know, we'd always, you know, oh, thanks for the bread. Oh yeah. You know, it was, it was really, you know, it was delicious, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So my sister had been texting my uncle about something and uh he she got a text back from him and it was obvious that he had texted the wrong person and it is a picture and it's him in the frozen food section of a supermarket and he's holding up a frozen dough and says is this the brand that you use 
<laughs> and my sister's like, oh, that's so funny. Has she been passing off store-bought bread? Store-bought dough is like her home-baked bread for all these years. Ha, ha, ha. My sister was joking. She didn't think much of it. Immediately gets a phone call from my uncle. Listen, you can't tell ah! anybody. <laughs> like, if she finds out about this, like, her heart will be broken. I don't think they're going to be listening to this podcast anytime soon, but everything That's fell into so place. Good. Like it was always the same style bread. There was no variation to it. Her baking oh. was really uniform. So now the next time I see her, I kind of, and I, cause I do a little ba- bit of baking now. I kind of want to just wink and smile and be like, so, you know, what kind of yeast do you use? Do you Jack. use a dry active or do you use like a self rising flour? <laughs> uh, how, I mean, just how long do you let, let her, that proof? Let her have it. Um, you know, do you use a loaf pan or do you hand shape those? Like, I, I'm not going to call her out on it. I just kind of want to see her squirm a little bit. See, she's, he's going <laughs> to, he's just going to let it linger and it's going to be like at her eulogy. And he's going to like, she was a great lady. She had my heart. She had the best goddamn bread. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. Like, <laughs> like, uh, on roles. Friends when, uh, Phoebe's aunt, like, <laughs> Aunt Tollhouse, Tol- and they're like, wait, is your aunt at Aunt Tollhouse? Oh my gosh, yeah! <laughs> and it's the, the label, like, that's the recipe. Oh, it was my great, great <laughs> uncle Spunkmeyer. But uh, anyway, the cat is out of the bag for most of the family. Unfortunately, she's the one that doesn't realize that the cat's out of the bag. So oh, that's funny. she's still sending her bread. So, I mean, that's awesome. It's her heart's in the right place. I just, it's one of those things where, like, she did it once or twice, and she then now it's to like, live the lie. <laughs> it just keeps on snowballing. <laughs> and we're talking, like, this is going back now over 20 wow. years. Wow. So, it's like like Seinfeld when the uh, Elaine goes all across town to get the the birth control. Yeah. The diaphragms. Because that one brand that she loves. Like, if they, this brand of bread stops selling its frozen dough, like, she's just going to go buy up the stock across town. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. oh, my gosh. All right. So, um... Do you know the meaning of the word nemesis? Uh, when pistol-toting pretty boy Unosuke arrives in towns, it throws Sanjiro's plans and position into disarray. Who was that nemesis for you? Perhaps it was in the gaming store, friend group, fellow hobby enthusiast, or someone you cross path with on occasion that you always felt in contention with. I'll go first. My buddy and I, a couple years, you know, I probably little over maybe 10 years ago, were pretty big into to Wii Mario Kart. Loved playing it. We got pretty decent at it. And uh, to the point where we changed our names to too bad, so sad. And so when we would take first place, I'd let, you know, we would let each other align. So it would be too bad, oh so sad. <laughs> and we thought it was hilarious. And we're like, yeah, like, uh. We met our rivals. And it happened. I, we called each other immediately and was like, wait, 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 wait. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? We met two people. Their names were, you got, or you just got pwned. And for four hours, nice. we stayed in the same lobby. We, we did not let each other have a moment break of like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> see you guys later. Nope. Another game, another game. And we kept playing and playing and it would, it would come into like, too bad, got pwned. Yeah, and it would be all jumbled. <laughs> but man, whenever we would win, we would celebrate so hard because <laughs> it was just, yeah, take that. Your own medicine. Oh, that's so. pretty good. That's pretty good. Drew. <laughs> oh, Nemesis, uh, Kenny. Oh! No. <laughs> uh, that was on my short list for who I thought I would hear you guys mention. <laughs> As he pulls the, the gun out from his... That was the joking one. So when I used to play Heroclix, all right, and I loved playing Heroclix, and I would go out and uh, usually on like Saturday mornings is when the groups would meet up unless there was like a special, you know, uh, um, sanctioned tournament to go to. I think it's a very, very fun game because, I mean, you get you get little heroes and they have stats and everything and, you, you know, you put them on a map and you move them around and you fight each other like how cool is it to make a hodgepodge group of like marvel dc and like random independent comics or power rangers who the hell cares so i 
really, really love Green Lantern. Not necessarily the person, but I love the idea and the concept of Green Lantern. Like, you're chosen because you're you. So, I have a very substantial Green Lantern collection for my hero clicks. And there was, there was this one kid, and his name is Alex, and he would always say, like, no, 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 I'm like the Green Lantern guy of the group. And I'm like, I- I'm sorry. Listen here, you <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's... Uh, what, what what the guy gardener did you just say? Um, so yeah, he and I would always be all Drew like, uh, his no, jacket. Not- <laughs> it's just the Green Lantern shirt. He's like, what did you say? <laughs> Bitch. True. Is that a two way? <laughs> just, just unzip. Clearly, starts three sizes too whoa, small. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> is someone just put Queen on in the background? Is this about to happen? <laughs> Don't stop me. No. Okay. Uh, but. Yeah, we would always just have, like, little side games together where we would only use our Green Lantern uh, Heroclix characters, and we would battle weekly, and so, it would, like, whoever would win would be all like, all right, fine, you're the you're the Green Lantern guy for this, this no, week. No, shoot him! So. <laughs> I'm the real Green Lantern! No, he's an imposter! <laughs> I'm the real Hal Jordan! <laughs> so, uh, Drew and I, and this has been mentioned before, but Drew and I met the first time uh, we had both responded <gasps> to a Facebook, uh, it was our local friendly, friendly neighborhood game store, and somebody had is. posted <laughs> on the game store's page that they were looking to start a Dungeons & Dragons group, and so so, a mm-hmm. bunch of random people responded, and we get started playing, and, you know, we've all min-maxed a character before. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us do, uh, which is fine. And then this guy, so he min-maxed uh, an archer, basically. And then he started to multi-class, and he was taking all the advantages of multi-classing and taking none of the disadvantages. So this guy, we started to call him uh, behind his back or in texting each other individually, the death star (laughs) because he would just like run around and one shot. Like, you know, we would get jumped by like fucking like giants and he's like, all right, I'm going to apply this poison to this arrow and and, 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 and then just is rolling so much damage and the arrow run off the rock, a uh, triple axle off it, and fire, and I'm always gonna calling shots, and, and I'm gonna, that's I'm gonna so hit him in the fucking head. tedious. Like I'm gonna shoot her in the foot, so I'm gonna shoot her in the foot, so the the it gets pinned to the ground. It's like oh don't make God. the DM do that. He would, and he would always grab his die before like anyone could see. He's like, no, it was it was a hit. Yeah, that was a crit too. Yeah. So and the the DM, you know, she didn't know. It's not like when you're playing with a group of like you know close friends that you've been playing this game for years and years. We were all relative strangers at that point. So the DM was weak and, and wasn't wasn't really saying anything about it. And and a couple, I think Drew and I both individually at different times were like, "Can I see your character sheet?" Like, yeah, we were all like, "How are you doing?" It's an older character sheet. On with out. this. <laughs> I was about to clear them. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God. So that, I was always like, you're trying to have fun, but this guy is ruining my fun right now. It was, I mean, it was actually like one of the reasons why we left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it it goes back, um, the first tabletop game I did was the uh, Dungeons and Dragons D20 system. And this was back in Ohio around uh, 2006, 2007. Like D20 Modern? Yeah. Well, the, okay. the one I the one I DM for you okay. guys a few years ago. Oh, the, st- the Star Wars one. The Star Wars one. Did I say Dungeons oh, yes! Dragons? Yeah, the Star Wars D twenty. Oh, I missed that Star Wars. Yeah, game. but uh, the fourth guy that we had playing, he would he was the kind of guy that would wear the fingerless leather gloves whenever he was driving, and he'd have his like gloves there next to him, and it was when he was ready to go, he'd make sure to put his gloves back on. He drove like a beat up Ranger, so it's like, what do you really need these gloves for, man? But every time he would roll, he would do this calculator tap as if he's adding up numbers on the calculator and over-exaggerating his damage. And he only did it when he would do this calculator hand motion. Was it up and in it, the, Again, it got to the point, the like, right, like why? This? Why are you inflating the, oh. your damage? Oh, oh. No, he's like tapping it no. on the... And Death then he, he would like tap, 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 and then come 25. Yeah. Yeah, and then enter equals your total 26 is. damage. <laughs> it's like, man, you've got like a few D8s down there, oh, unless you don't hit forget 8 CRV or 7 on all of those. Click. I don't yeah. see how you got that much damage. Yeah, so that, that was mine. Uh, the man with no name. 
Uh, Yojimbo is both alien and utterly familiar, the product of a director using the predominant foreign flavors of American westerns, comedy, and action-adventure tropes, and folding it into his own culture's social and historical tales. Pick at least one of the following. Uh, did everyone do one for each, or did somebody... Uh, I, have, I have at least one for each. Nathan, did you skip the books? You know me too well, <laughs> You know me too well. <laughs> um... Kind of. I had like a an honor, I had honorable mentions right. for the other two, but I mean we can do all three. Well, let's just right, so, round robin each yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So the first one is a uh, a movie, cartoon, or TV show that at first glance seems the standard formula, but turns that formula on its head and creates something completely new and dare I say worthy. Uh, I'll go first for this one. One of my favorite little cartoons to watch was on. Um, Adult Swim, it was it was Metalocalypse. I don't even like heavy metal, but for some reason, I thought that that show just had all this different stuff going on that just made okay. it supremely enjoyable to watch. Uh, then I'd go on to say uh, The Expanse. You know, it's we're used to Star Trek and Star Wars, but when you when you use sci-fi in a way where the physics are real, you know, the gravity is being generated by thrust or braking, like there's no artificial gravity, it, real physics are happening. I thought both of those, in their own different ways, were just great, great changes to sort of the monotony of, of what a lot of shows aspire to do. My, um, my choice and my like honorable mention for this was uh, my choice was Rick and Morty because I stayed away from Rick and Morty for quite a while hmm. and I think it was like maybe the beginning of season three that I was my buddy's like dude it's the best show you gotta watch it I'm like I don't want to watch another cartoon like I, I'm just not no I'm good and I gave it a shot and then I binged the whole thing and I could not get enough of it for a sec the fandom kind of toxic and not very elitist. It was like, oh, that that turns me off a little bit. But the the show itself, I thought, was so groundbreaking and and beautiful. You mean you're not going to take a TikTok of yourself going nuts at a McDonald's because you couldn't get your Mulan's yeah, nugget yeah. sauce? Oh my gosh, they take it too far. But the show itself is, I would almost say, ahead of its time, or just episodes that set the bar so high that I'm like, there's no way the next episode's going to be as good as that and i constantly am blown away but my honorable mention for that was last airbender because i had a similar like this looks like a like a this looks like a baby show i've never watched that hey they uh they just brought it back was they bring it back to netflix i believe yeah right yeah they just put it all on netflix it's so a it's a it. lot but it is it's it's well so, done it's very it, well the, done the story is so rich the characters are very deep mm -hmm. It's not a, um, it's not like Pokemon where you're just kind of like, oh, cool, like, let's add another 150, <laughs> like, Pokemon, and they can go on a whole another damn Oh my god, they're up to like, <laughs> they're up to like 800 Pokemon now. It's ridiculous. I remember, I remember when it was 151. <laughs> was it? Oh my gosh. Oh, right. um, um so the the TV show I was kind of thinking about, and I, I had a hard time, like, trying to, like, balance out, like, what was, like, it's... It's so new and like it's so different because you think it's gonna be the same. So very much like coming of age stories, you know, their their kids are growing up and they're finding out who they are and whatnot. But one show that I have seen that is actually genuinely funny, but it's also just as genuinely gross, uh, is Big Mouth on Netflix, and it's showing kids growing up, but also taking the topic of puberty and hmm. Big Mouth. It's a Netflix original cartoon and it's it's it is quite funny and it has well-known voice actors, you know, on the show. But it does take the topic of puberty because he has his own puberty monster and uh, it's voiced by uh, the guy who played okay. Oswald on the Drew Carey show. I can't think of his name. I mean, he's done voiceovers for lots of things. And I think that was just something that I'd never seen before. I, like, I've never seen a show that focused on kids going through puberty. The other one that kind of came to my mind was uh, The Page Master, the m uh, movie, The Page Master, which it's very much this. Is that the one that you. Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. He gets like thrown into a book or like the world of books. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is the Great librarian. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's all about this kid who's just like scared of life. He's scared of everything. He 
inevitably has to go to a, li- a library to use the payphone to call his parents to come pick him up because he can't ride his bike in this in this thunderstorm. While he's walking back, he stops Last and observes. Last action heroes into the. Uh... I mean, essentially, that's what it is. He he falls and hits his head, and he somehow awakens into this these world of books. So he has to find the courage in himself and overcome his own fear of life. But <laughs> courage, Mary. But he, but he does it through going through the different genres of books. Yeah, uh, Page Master. All right, a uh, a novel book or uh, a novel or book series that fused together the strange and familiar, creating its own unique flavors. Something that was not only notable but has stuck with you and perhaps even been read multiple times. Jack, one minute. Let me just go. Just go back. No, I'll I'll, go back to you. I'll go. It. The first one is Dune. I mean, it it takes sci-fi and it marries it with fantasy. Like, it's got great houses, nobility structure of fantasy, marries it with sci-fi as far as, the, you know, the, the shields, the las guns, the hovercraft, but it just has, it brings the best of both worlds together. Another is the uh, Malazan Book of the Fallen series, and that's fantasy, but it is dark adult fucking fantasy and not like cinemax fantasy but it's it's grim and visceral and uh it's some of the well most well-written characters i've seen uh and then finally jim butcher i mean who doesn't like to see a wizard as a detective it's it's fan fucking tastic the next book uh was it uh Uh, yeah that one um, that, uh... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. It's the the next book is Peace Talks. It comes out next month. Yeah. I've already got Amazon delivering it to they me the it. day it comes out. I can't wait for it. Uh, the only book that I really like went back to multiple times. Uh, the Bible. <laughs> yeah, well, the Bible. No, <laughs> stop it. Uh, it's called Hairstyles of the Dam. <laughs> never said, never heard of that. Um, it was. It's a like coming of age book about like like this punk kid who goes through a lot of different phases of music and and love and just it's just a it was an interesting book that i picked up randomly and i always kind of came back to it because it was something that i wouldn't have picked up just by myself someone like at at a bookstore you know was like oh you dude you got to read this i was like i like this a lot this is cool You, you should really try the dresden files I you mean, really should. they are okay. fantastically readable books. Mm-hmm. And as it progresses, it just starts to peel back little layers where the first book is so on the surface from the books that are coming out now. There's just all this shit going on and all these different clans. And, you know, you got the vampires, the fairies, you know, it's it's fucking nuts. It's a Very great cool. series. Yeah. True. All right, so um, I have I have two that were uh, coming to mind, especially for things that I have read and also greatly enjoyed. Uh, one, I'm just going to get out of the way really, really quick, and that's uh, Harry Potter. I mean, you I are gonna, you are Harry your emotions. <laughs> you are entwining not only fantasy, the magical aspect, but you're setting it in modern day, kind of like Jim Butcher. I mean, it's like early '90s modern day, but you're also showing like kids. Like this is why kids were really getting into it. They're like, oh my god, I can be a wizard. Holy shit, this is amazing. And I, I say get out of the way because the whole JK Rowling nonsense right now, but whatever. He uh, was my friend! He was their friend! <laughs> uh, the other one that I, I gobbled them up, and I and I still have my original complete set uh, right now, and I absolutely adored this series as a kid, but it's R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Everybody you... has got goosebumps in like a box of old books or toys in their parents' basement somewhere. They're so, okay, they were so good as a kid, but also, I mean, like it was one of like the first series ever that was made for young adults to encompass these different things that, yeah, they could be scary. And he's writing enough of them that he can, you know, cover every other kid's little fear. And it's done in such a, a delicate and adventuresome way it they're fantastic reads honestly personally all right i like it so we've got a meal or a snack that you've enjoyed or perhaps even made that is a fusion of two or more distinct styles of cooking such as korean bulgogi street tacos made first popular in la my parents make two dishes. One we don't they don't make as much anymore because my dad doesn't do as much hunting, but that was ramaki and southwest egg rolls. Oh. Southwest egg rolls in themselves I think that are just, you know, a great fusion hybrid delicious thing, but ramaki is with they do it with duck instead of chicken liver. Mm-hmm. Um, and the water chestnuts and the bacon and it's you know it's soaked in the teriyaki. Um, it's just delicious. So 
That sounds That's, delectable. It is oh, quite quite good. And so those <laughs> those two, I if my parents make any of those foods, I can um, I'm there. Let's do this. Okay. Well, one thing that I have greatly enjoyed, and it was really new because I had never seen it before. Uh, it was a uh, it was a falafel burger. So they mm. took you know the same thing of just like a uh, and you know making it into a falafel, but it was, it was burger form. It's just instead of like the tiny little like you know falafel balls, it was just a big old patty, and they made it like a burger. I thought it was a fantastic idea. It was actually quite delicious. Uh, the only thing for me that trumped that was a sushi burrito. Ooh. Ooh. Big sushi burrito. And it's just like, it's like they're making a sushi roll. They just, they wrap it up and instead of like a tortilla, it's like a giant thing of nori. Mm, that oh. does sound pretty good. Quite, quite good. So there's a new pizza place in town. It's the uh, the Fusion Pizza Sector and we got a pizza from there the other week. It was uh, Chicken Tikka Masala Pizza. I've heard of that, this place. Uh, yes. They, it's over by the Costco and it's instead of a sauce, they sort of drizzle the chicken tikka masala gravy over the cheese. It's so good. And then there's what I like to call my my late night filthy scavenger uh, creations. <laughs> and one of yeah. my favorite things, when the stars align and I can get three things in the house at one time, flour tortillas, macaroni and cheese, either be always boxed of some way, shape or form and leftover breakfast sausage. You make the macaroni and cheese, you cut up the cold breakfast sausage and mix it in during the cheese incorporation period. Usually I'll throw a couple of dashes of cumin in there with a shit ton of black pepper and then dump half of, of the pan onto two, uh, you know, basically two massive burritos that I roll up and I make this filthy, filthy macaroni and cheese burrito that has breakfast sausage in it. And it's so goddamn delicious. Dirty girl. Oh, yeah, I was no. almost thinking that you were gonna you were gonna make like a yeah. sausage mac and cheese like quesadilla, but dude, the burrito uh, is, burrito, is yeah, as well. dude, throw a little hot sauce on there. It is so bad I have to take a shower when I'm done because that's how <laughs> dirty I feel. Uh, so Drew, what would you rate uh, this movie? I would give Yojimbo four and a half slices out of five, severing all all in its way. All right. Almost all. I'd give it. I would give it. Go ahead. <laughs> I would give it six drums of sake out of ten. <laughs> Plug the hole, uh, my sake. <laughs> oh, my sake! I'll give you anything. <laughs> my money. Bury me with my money. Oh, that's, uh, little Sunset Riders at you. Oh, I love. Uh, thank you, Sunset Riders. I love Sunset Riders. Um, but yeah, good movie. And we'll. Uh, can't, I still haven't got to watch the uh, the sequel, but I am looking forward to it. All right. Uh, I would get, uh, if Sanjiro was was asking how much I'd be willing to pay him for appointment, uh, his employment uh, as a as my Ojimbo, my bodyguard, I would not give him 60 Ryu, but I would give him 50. So 50 out of 60 Ryu for Yojimbo. I think it's just a fantastic film. Uh, and it, it kind of goes back to the, the roots. There are earlier samurai films, of course, but I don't think one quite of this caliber mixing the, the action and just the comedy and sort of slapstick nature to, yeah. to it as well. It's a very approachable film for those who, who don't want to do a foreign film. Uh, but like, like anything else, like watching, um, what was the the one that just won the Academy Award? Parasite. Parasite. You can't be on your phone. You can't also be screwing around on a laptop, or else you're going to miss it. Yeah, uh, you got to pay attention. Yeah, uh, Drew. Where can people find us on the internet? Well, people can always find us on Facebook. Just search for the Real Phils Podcast. You can also find us up on Instagram as well. Send us an email at realphilspodcast at gmail .com or look us up on Twitter at realphilspod. Mm. Oh. Well, um, we've got a Patreon new Patreon special. Uh, this yeah. is this is a bit of the long con, so you'll have to stick with me here. This Patreon special is called the Red Ren Fair. Uh, it's a group special for just a cool hundred million dollars. <laughs> the Real Field Squad will quit their jobs and travel with you and your friends to Japan for five years. There we will train daily learning the way of the samurai. From dueling and archery to horsemanship and the very language itself, we will wear our armored kit as comfortably as pajamas. Once we have mastered our skills, we will return to America by boat with our horses, disembark at midnight unseen. We have one mission, 
Seek out the largest Renaissance festival in the country and take it by force in the Shogun's name. We will form up in two wings, our cavalry peppering the enemy crowd with sucker-headed arrows before pillaging through the streets, claiming the mead, ale, and turkey legs as our spoils. There, we will summon the embattled nobility and demand that they pay homage to their new lords. Gentlemen, I give you the Red Renfair. Mm-hmm. I like it. Just a hundred billion dollars. Pocket change. Yeah. I mean, yeah. somebody's probably stolen at least that much from the uh, the CARES Act. So, you know, there we go. Mm. Very true. Yeah. Oh. We'll never know because there's no accountability. Oh. oh. Yosh. Political and- humor. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with, with our Patreon special, I want to give a very special shout out to Mr. Justin, who is one of our brand new Patreon supporters. That is actually... Uh, David's brother who brought us Equilibrium. And he has joined us not at the $2, the $5, the $10. This, this beautiful man went up for the $25 tier. So he not only gets to Folks at home can't see it, but my nipples are hard. Drew and Nathan can. There it is. (laughs) So he gets to pick a movie, pick the genre for it. He gets some real fill swag, a t-shirt, but he also gets to join us on the episode and help review with us. Do we know what the movie is? Are we allowed to say what the movie is? Do you know what the movie is? I, you know what? Uh, you know, it's a Patreon special. We'll drum up support or drum up interest. Or or have him um, just throw yeah, down that's his right. Oh, you know what? Much like Sabi wanted uh, Sanjiro to do with the Geisha Girls, put his poll out there. But, uh, okay. you know. I did not. Nathan, that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to let him choose his own Drew's Clues. Mm. I like that. I like it. I like it. Well, gentlemen, this has been a delightful episode. What's coming up next time? I believe it's my turn with the most biblical of all. Oh, Oh, God. You are so big. You are so big. (laughs) So magnificently huge. Gosh, we're all really impressed down here. I'm really looking forward to it, though. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a hoot. And I'll be coming right after that with survival. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I will survive. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, this has been the realist. And the feelist. Sake. I always think better when I drink. Ute. Ute. <laughs> fire. Ute. Ute.